0: Now, I I would like us to look for a a few moments this morning at uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, if you're here possibly as uh, family or friends for the ordination, or if you're just on holiday and you're here passing through, uh, we believe you're here uh, uh, as an appointment by God. God has you here, uh, as we all are here by God's appointment. And uh, we've been looking over the last few Sunday mornings in the summer at the miracles of Jesus and uh, looking at uh, their relevance and significance and what they, what they teach us and why they are included in the, in the gospel stories. And today we have, there's actually two miracles here. Uh, we'll mainly focus on the raising of Jairus's daughter. Um, uh, so the, the miracles about the defeat of death, you know. And uh, now last week uh, we met together uh, and it was great and it seemed uh, a very significant and, and relevant uh, uh, miracle that we looked at for the, the day uh, and uh, for what we were doing. And you may wonder today well, maybe it's not quite so relevant to be talking about death and resurrection and ordination of elders, uh, elder and deacons. But I think you'll find that the, this miracle takes us to the very core, the very heart of the gospel. Uh, of which these guys are going to become leaders in the church uh, to declare and to be uh, pastors and carers over so i think it is very relevant but i wonder whether you also might sometimes think uh, well what have the miracles uh, what, what relevance do the miracles of jesus have in my day-to-day life as i go from here to my very ordinary mundane uh, day-to-day life what, what I don't see miracles uh, like this happening in my life. What what relevance do they have? Are they real? Are uh, are they fabled? Uh, Are they simply wish fulfillment from writers who wanted to have a savior who was strong and powerful? Absolutely not. And we've seen uh, that they are pointing forward both to the death and resurrection of Jesus, but also to his finished work and what it means These miracles all speak into the longings we have in day-to-day living, longings that everyone out in the street has as well, not just Christians. Everyone has these longings, longings for life to the full, plenty, satisfaction, joy, health. It deals, it speaks into our longings. It speaks also into our fears, fears of the reality of evil, of destruction, of illness and of death. All of these things, the kind of meta-narratives of our lives are dealt with by the miracles sometimes we don't think about them because we can fill our lives with minutiae. But when we sit down and sit back and think about these things, then these, these, are, the, these are the matters of everyday longings and uh, everyday desires and everyday fears. And we find that Christ and his miracles are speaking into that. Christ and his miracles, but Christ in his person uh, is relevant to every single Heartbeat here. To every single second that we live, Christ is relevant. And his message is relevant. And his salvation is relevant to all of our lives and to every part of our lives. As we said last week, no secular sacred divide. Okay, he's relevant to it all. So can we look at this story? I'm gonna look at it kind of briefly because it's an easy story, it's a well-known story. The stories of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus speak for themselves but we also see them as signs to uh, spiritual truths. So this story uh, of the healing of Jairus' Jairus's daughter is set as a contrast. It's very interesting. It's set in a contrasting um, uh, situation because we didn't read it, but previously Jesus had healed a man uh, with a demon. Uh, you know that story of uh, the demons being sent into the pigs and uh, the people of the decapolis saying go away we don't want you here jesus they were scared to death by what they'd seen and they said look you're messing up our nice quiet lives go leave this area we don't want you here and so the contrast is that these these people have said go away jesus we don't want you and in this chapter we have jairus coming and falling at the feet of jesus in great need saying jesus i want I want you, and I need you uh, to do uh, something miraculous in my life. And so there's this, this amazing contrast uh, set up uh, as the story unfolds between those who didn't want Jesus and those who did want and who needed Jesus. And the reality is that, that that's what we find each time we come to Scripture, each time that we are confronted with the truth and the challenges and the message of jesus christ in our lives that we can we can react in one of two two ways can't we we can be afraid and say no jesus your message is too scary it's dealing right to the very core of my heart and my being i'm not sure if i can deal with that and don't we don't want you we close our minds we might not publicly run out of the place we might never say jesus leave the area leave my life but we can, by our closing our minds, by closing our reason, by closing our intellects, by closing our hearts, we can be saying the same thing. Jesus, no, not, not me. Not in my life. And, we, you know, we can say that as Christians as well. No, this is, this is a no-entry area. This is what I want to be in control. Jesus, you're not welcome here. Or uh, we can be like uh, Jairus and the, the, the woman in this story who are in great need and who want Jesus Christ, and who recognize Jesus Christ, and who admit to their need for Jesus Christ. So in many ways, each time we gather, each time you open the Bible, each time your heart or your conscience is challenged to think about the message of Christ, you have uh, these two contrasting responses. So we see that as we're introduced to the story. We also see the ugliness of disease and death. Isn't that true in the story? And and that immediately taps into our day-to-day lives, doesn't it? Because we're confronted with the ugliness of disease and of death. Some of you may have come here today with very heavy hearts because of struggles and difficulties and disease among those that you love or the death of those who are close to you. And you've got this, again, you've got this interesting 12-year experience. Uh, The daughter of Jairus is 12 years old. And the woman who has this discharge of blood has had it for 12 years. It has eaten her life away. It has eaten her savings. It has eaten her dignity. It has eaten her uh, whole life. And she has nothing left. And it is a picture of ugliness and the horribleness of poverty and loss that sin and uh, all of the reality of living in a broken world, brings to us. It's devastating and it's universal. And we would be foolish to ignore that reality in our lives today. And we'd be foolish to think that it's either something that we can conquer on our own or we will just bury our heads in the sand when we consider it. So this miracle uh, speaks into the ugliness of disease and death but it also speaks of the majesty of jesus it's a great miracle that speaks into there's so much and i'm not i can only touch on one or two things uh, and you will probably notice many more things than i notice about jesus here just his condescension his willingness to uh, have his life and uh, have his day-to-day routine broken into to help people in great and serious need his concern Even by this stage, his growing reputation as someone unique, someone special, someone who could be approached uh, to uh, perform uh, such remarkable acts of power. His authority is unfolded in this story over disease and over death. He has the authority to declare peace. He says that, uh, to those who are in need here, his tenderness and his grace, his works and his words in this passage, speaking into ordinary lives isn 't that great isn 't that why it 's so good to look at a passage like this today because i 'm ordinary you 're all ordinary, probably I know there might be someone very extraordinary here i don 't know, but probably our lives are pretty ordinary, and we think we 're pretty ordinary, maybe think we 're too ordinary, even for Jesus to consider or to be interested in. But here is the words and the work and the majesty of Jesus breaking into ordinary lives. An ordinary, poor, lonely, isolated woman and a little girl who we know neither of their names. And the miracles of God that are a signpost here we'll look at in a minute. The miracles of Jesus Christ here are the stuff of ordinariness. They're not kind of pie-in-the-sky nonsense it's not some esoterical discussion that you can have about the nature uh, and the power and uh, the abilities of jesus the miracles of jesus are the stuff of ordinaries worked into people's ordinary lives who were in great need and because they are signs they will speak to us and the miracle also in the story speaks of the nature of faith obviously here we have these miracles working into the context of healing and of resurrection not like jesus resurrection because obviously the little girl grew up and uh, presumably grew old and then died again but nonetheless uh, resurrection to life here and um, there's i think a great deal of misguided teaching about healing and what healing is um, And I'm going to be guarded by what I say here because I recognize and know that uh, God is uh, the living God and God will, and I'll go on to say and does heal people. But sometimes uh, there is misguided teaching that would uh, seem to correlate the amount of faith or a dependence on the amount of faith of the person uh, that will qualify them for healing. So that sometimes people... Uh, well, in a misguided way, saying, well, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith in Jesus. You should have more faith because if you had more faith, Jesus would heal you. And so a great burden and a great pressure is put on the individual to somehow work up more faith. And they feel greatly inadequate because they don't have what they regard as enough faith in order to be healed. So what we have is actually faith in faith rather than faith in Jesus. And that can become very destructive and very uh, self-centered and very um, uh, uh, burdening on us as if uh, we somehow need to earn our healing. And if we're not healed, we haven't earned it before God. It's another form of legalism. But Christ can and Christ will and Christ does heal people. But his ultimate healing for us is still to be fully revealed he's sovereign and he does answer our prayers but sometimes in this life he won't heal us because as we've seen in many other passages of scripture he has a higher purpose for us at not only a deeper and future healing but also a spiritual healing now sometimes he wants us to just hold on and trust and deepen and strip back our faith and trust so that we heal him even in darkness and even in illness and even in pain however faith is crucial if we are to understand and if we are to experience and know the healing power of jesus spiritually and the movement from spiritual death to spiritual life and faith is very important in this story faith is really important in this story uh, both Jairus and the woman who comes to be healed in the crowd, both uh, have great faith in Jesus. Both have courage in different ways. You know, the synagogue ruler, he falls at his feet of Jesus in public. It's a great act of courage and faith. And uh, uh, both of them fall at his feet in different ways, certainly. And obviously the woman probably, I don't, you know, some people say she was afraid she didn't have much courage. Uh, she had great courage. But she had a, a an illness that was difficult uh, in, in public and it, it isolated her and she didn't want to draw attention to that but she had great courage and trust in jesus that even if she touched him uh, she would be healed both confess their need both are in horribly impossible situations desperate needy you can just see jairus can't you come in my only daughter 12 years old is dying And of course, in the midst of uh, the story, uh, servants come and say, look, don't bother the master anymore. She's gone. She's dead. Jesus ignores that. But both had great faith. Both were afraid. Both listened. Both were healed or lived. And isn't it interesting to note in this situation, it wasn't even the daughter's faith that was being rewarded at that level, uh, the faith was the Father's faith here. And I just put that in, uh, by the way. Some were be- bewildered, some laughed at it and said, You know, you're a crazy man. Some misunderstood completely, and uh, some were completely astonished. I wonder what our reaction is to this miracle and to the ongoing teaching of Jesus. Jesus knows it all, and he's not afraid in his word to express that uh, some did laugh at uh, his uh, claims that uh, the little girl was sleeping and not dead, and uh, thought he was a crazy man. And we know many people still think Jesus is a crazy man. I hope you don't, and I hope that as Christians in our lives, we profess him and what he has done in our lives in such a powerful but ordinary way that it can be something that challenges those who think he's a crazy man. So we've seen uh, the kind of miracle, the story that was happening. What really is the sign? Because John's Gospel, last week we saw that, the Gospels, they were miracles, they were signs that uh, Jesus performed that were pointing forward to his work and to his witness and so here i just want to spend a moment or two speaking about the sign of this miracle um, particularly the raising uh, of uh, jairus's daughter and focus on that uh, because uh, it's a uh, there's at least two things that it's a sign of pointing forward to the work and witness of jesus christ as he went on uh, to the cross uh, at calvary and the first is that death is not the end seems so final doesn't it when the little girl dies that's it and if any of you have had close people people close to you die it's very final isn't it they don't come back it doesn't happen uh, that uh, it comes back and yet so the secular humanistic philosophy um, seems authoritative when it says well when you die there's nothing that's it nothing else happens there's no truth outside of our material existence that's all there is we are flesh and blood and when we die when our heart stops pumping that's it we cease to exist and that is very much the thinking of of uh, the under underpinning much of the thinking of today's society and must indeed be uh, the underpinning of uh, uh, humanistic evolutionary uh, foundations because that's all we are flesh and blood No soul, no real understanding of consciousness whatsoever, and uh, no acceptance of absolute truth. And yet Jesus uh, blows these presuppositions out of the water by raising uh, this girl uh, from the dead because it points forward to something far greater that he was going to do. His words and his work challenge us to consider something that we're all very uncomfortable considering which is death and maybe our own death or even someone else's death death is not the end uh, because the sign is that christ went on and right from the very beginning you know we saw that last week in john's gospel behold the lamb of god that comes to take away the sin of the world christ came to defeat death and his miracles are different signs that point to the healing and to the hope and to the provision and to uh, the answer, the rescue of Jesus Christ. Christ came. uh, He died on the cross innocently uh, as God in our place with death uh, and eternal death being the price uh, of our own rebellion against God and against sin. But we can't provide the answer. We can't make ourselves right. Jesus Christ uh, does by his innocent life, and yet by his death as one who was, as it were, guilty uh, before God. And his resurrection on the third day was different from this little girl's resurrection. It was different from the resurrection of Lazarus uh, where he took him from the tomb because this is Jesus rising on the other side of death, having defeated its power and its uh, tremendous sting. Uh, not really for himself because he was always going to be able to do that, but on our behalf so that when we put our trust in him that we know and we can have peace and forgiveness and the defeat of death, which is the sentence of God's justice against us for our sins. So death in reality is a spiritual problem that Jesus Christ came to deal with. I have come to offer you life and life to the full. And that means life where the sting of death has been removed. Even though we die, the New Testament says, yet shall we live. So it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely core to the gospel. What we have here and this miracle takes us to the very core of the gospel, which is the cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, without the resurrection, we have nothing whatsoever. There is no point in any of what we do, if there is no resurrection, we're to be more pitied than anyone in the whole universe. If we are gathered like a a group of nutcases here, if we are worshipping a dead God, a God who wasn't raised on the third day, a God who isn't alive and for whom the first day of the week is irrelevant, we recognize and see that he has spoken in his life and transformed us uh, by his grace. And so uh, we see it as a sign. And lastly, as I close, we recognize also the significance of the sign and of the miracles and briefly what i want to do just quickly is to take the two sentences that jesus spoke here and apply them uh, in significance to ourselves and in verse 36 when he's speaking um uh, he says um to Jairus, uh, but overhearing what they said you know that don't come to the house but but trouble the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. Overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And I think that significant. That word of Jesus speaks into our lives today, just as much today as it did then. Our situations might be completely different, but he says, look, don't be afraid. Just believe. And you might be here today. You might not be a Christian. Uh, You might have come to church for a long time, but you've never uh, given your heart to Jesus Christ and committed to him. You might be here for the first time. I don't know. Um, But if uh, you listen to the word of God and you uh, know that God is living, then hear his voice and allow him to deal with your fear. Because I'm sure lots of us, and there might be some macho, strong, brave men here who might not say anything, but who deep down inside might be very afraid afraid of the cost of commitment to Jesus Christ, afraid of what the commitment itself means, afraid of what your friends will say if you become a Christian, nutcase, afraid of the lifestyle changes that might be involved, that you will follow Jesus and serve him. Listen to the word of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Take the step of salvation and trust in him because he comes to bring joy and he comes to bring life to us. And that's the same for us all as Christians. There may be others who are here have been Christians a long time, but who are absolutely terrified for some reason today. May have hidden it well from everybody, but please hear the voice of Jesus Christ saying, don't be afraid, only believe. Every single Sunday morning, I'm in that room, terrified. So I hear his voice. Don't be afraid, just believe. And then in verse 41, he says to the little girl, uh, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Or, little girl, get up. And uh, he's commanding her, it's a sweet and gentle voice, isn't it? But he's commanding her to not stay dead. And he says, Rise, get up, uh, follow me. And uh, can I just give that same encouragement? to all of us also to be people who arise and get up and follow jesus we're all prodigals you know all of us are prodigals Uh, and uh, you know the great rejoicing in heaven when the prodigals came to faith because uh, they said that he was dead and he's alive again he was lost and he's found we were all in that condition and if as christians we've moved from there then let's live in that new place Let's arise and get up and follow Jesus. We're alive in Christ. We're no longer dead in our transgressions and sins, as Colossians 2, 12 says. And give thanks, as we're encouraged to do, for the protection and the provision and the life and the forgiveness and the love and the future and the hope that we have. Office bearers, you're getting called uh, to come and lead in the church. Get up, arise, uh, take your duties and your responsibilities and your privileges seriously and know that you follow jesus christ dispel the shadows of death and of uh, a life of death and sin from which we have been uh, redeemed and rescued ground your lives and i must ground my life in the word and in the touch of jesus christ jesus here uses his word to speak and his touch to comfort and uh, we have a Look for his spiritual touch. We don't have the physical touch, but we look for the spiritual touch. And sometimes we look for the physical touch of other Christians to encourage and hug and uh, uh, build us up uh, in our lives. Dispel the shadows. Live as citizens uh, today. Transformed and transforming. Um, As we get up uh, in uh, his youthful light... I think it's a very important part of the death narrative and the resurrection narrative uh, of the gospel because in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 it tells us that uh, even though we're getting older yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day some of us are getting older than others but I hope we're all getting renewed inwardly day by day by the Holy Spirit's power as Christians say, I don't care what age you are I hope that as Christians you are young at heart and I must say the over 50s, includes me here, are, well, maybe it doesn't. It does include me in age. Maybe it doesn't in uh, attitude, but are very young at heart and are growing younger in all the glory of what that means as a Christian. You know what it means? It means that we're not just falling into the old cycle of getting old and grumpy and dying because we're being renewed day by day by the power and the energy and uh, the grace of God. Youth, you know, what, what, we're very privileged here to have a lot of young people. And uh, what, what is it to be young? It means to have energy. It means to be hungry to learn. It means to be enthusiastic, uh, joyful, a degree of innocence. That's what should mark our Christian lives, the older we get. That, that's what it means to be renewed day by day. It means we still are youthful in our attitudes and thinking spiritually. So we don't become cynical as we get older and weary and grumbling, which sometimes can go with old age, not here—I hasten to add—but let's have that youthful being renewed day by day, so the old age is. Well, it's just—it's just part of living, and uh, we're going to shed this old broken body, and we're going to be given a renewed one. And then, as I close, with future hope. You know, there are signs, aren't they? There are signs of a kingdom that's to come. We've seen that all the way through. And the resurrection is a sign of the future, the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwells righteousness that Jesus is coming to prepare us for. A place that's death-free. Isn't that a great thing? That's what the sign is here of the miracle, is that the future is going to be death-free. You've seen the no mores in Revelation, no more separation, no more grieving, no more tears, no more illness, no more violence, no more evil, hatred, and death. All of the things we long for will be or, or long not to be there will not be in uh, this new uh, heavens and new earth wherein dwells righteousness, that place of hope and joy and fulfillment and resources and plenty and life. That's what the resurrection and this miracle of resurrection points forward to and it's glorious and It can't be, whatever Jesus is to us, he can't be insignificant. Or he can't be unimportant. You can reject him, you can accept him, but he can never be unimportant. And it needs to be that as Christians we recognize, and we seek in this church to recognize how important he is and seek forgiveness when we shove him into the back corridors of our lives. Because what he has done is so significant and so important and so uh, perspective-changing for us because he's taken us from death to life. Amen. May God bless to us uh, our thinking on these miracles today.